said earlier, um, our church has been participating in uh, something as we join with other churches around the, the globe called Advent Conspiracy. And uh, it's kind of a, a movement of sorts, I guess you'd say. Um, and one of our, uh, one of the, the things I've enjoyed the most about it is that it um, basically, uh, it isn't anything that uh, is done the same way in in any church. The, there's a group of pastors got together and they um, were just kind of frustrated with uh, Christmas in general, and so they uh, started brainstorming and praying, and they just led their churches to approach the Advent season in this way, and then the, it kind of took off, and there were some other churches that got involved the next year and stuff, and basically they just put this out there like, here's here's what Advent conspiracy is all about. You take these things and you um, bring it into your church however you see fit and, and whatever fits the, the personality of your church and all that stuff and, and so there's not, a, there's not a kit that we ordered or anything um, and one of the cool things about it is that the same thing happens from, um, from us into uh, from us as a church into each of our lives is that um, there is no uh, uniform way that this shows up in your life and in my life we, we take these ideas and these principles and then we have to each look at our own lives and figure out how, how this looks, you know, how this plays out given my circumstances and, and my family and my, uh, my own personality and just the different things that God leads me to. And so um, it's been really interesting to watch, uh, to watch my week um, as the pastor unfold and to be challenged in ways that I never really thought I would be challenged in with some of these things. Then to get in conversations with some of you and to find out that the things that you're like struggling with and wrestling with are, are different th than mine, but they're kind of the same, and it's been pretty cool um, just to watch God uh, lead each of us in very unique ways as to how to apply some of these things uh, in our lives. And, um, and you know, so the, the first one was, first big idea was to worship fully, that, that we didn't want any, any aspect of the Advent season to be something that we are not worshiping God, that we are not showing Him how valuable He is to us, and that we are not responding to what Christmas is all about in a way that is, is honoring to Him and reflects that to everybody, and, and just kind of broke, broke it down into some of the different things that we walk through. And, and so the challenge up front from the beginning of all this was to, to look at every, literally every, everything you do, whether it's when, when you go shopping or how you interact with coworkers or whatever, to say, like, can I, how can I worship God fully? in this, even down to the smallest detail. Um, the, the next couple of ideas kind of all, they all kind of bleed into one another. Um, there's, a, there's an offering that we're taking up, and it is for an organization, an organization called Living Water International. And uh, what they do is they go in and they help get fresh, clean water uh, to places in all over the globe who don't have access to it, where they're drinking out of cesspools and that's where they're they're getting their cooking water from and all this stuff and there are kids and adults all over the world who die simply because they're they're consuming this contaminated water and so this organization goes in and they figure out how to either dig wells 
or set up clean water systems or, or how to, uh, to clean the water that they're collecting you know, through chemicals or whatever. And they just find a way to make sure that that is not a problem. Um, and so we're collecting an offering that is going to go, uh, every penny goes to that organization. None of it goes to Admin Conspiracy. None of it goes to us um, as a church. And so we've been pushing people to, um, beyond what you normally give each month to the church, that this is, is a sacrificial um, offering as we, um, we see this as being, as being consistent with who Christ is. That we look around the world and we say, you know what, there's no way. Like I was riding with, with Kenny Wall the other day, and he went to get in my truck, and there's like four empty water bottles, you know, in my truck. And because uh, I'm a big slob. And um, there's like four bottles. And after that, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I, have, I can get clean water anytime I want. And there's like, I, you can walk around this building and find as much clean water as you would want. And it's just so foreign to me that, you know, a kid would have to walk to some, like, ditch somewhere. This water has just been sitting there, you know, telling what's growing in it. And that's where they get their drinking water from. And, and so, um, so one thing that we're, that we're doing is we're, co- we're collecting that offering. There's a well bucket back there at our table where our, uh, our offering is collected. Um, there's a, a bowl there for your normal, uh, what you give each month or whatever, to the church. And then there's a, a big well bucket next to that that people have been putting their offerings in and stuff. Sun, uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to uh, do a special deal where we, um, where we collect. Uh, there's so, a lot of people are waiting until then. We're going to collect it, and we're going to put it in the big deal, and we're going to pray over it and stuff like that on uh, Wednesday night. Um, and so that's, that's one thing. And so... Uh, what Admin Conspiracy asks is that, uh, is that you buy one less gift this Christmas and, um, and you take the money that you would have spent on that gift and you give it to this offering. And that's all that, that they ask is just one. Now, some people have decided to buy no gifts and to take the money that they had budgeted for Christmas and to give it all to that. Some people have done more than one. or just And that's the, the cool thing about it is you look at your situation and your budget and your whatever and you're like, okay, um, some people are buying one less. Some people are buying five less. Some people, you know, whatever. You tailor make it to your own life. And so, but spending less is, is hopefully going to get us away from that, uh, that consumer-driven uh, um, Christmas that so many of us keep falling into that trap, you know. A return to the simplicity of, of Christmas and, and where things are, are not so... Uh, hectic and fast-paced and shallow that we miss out the whole point just because we're worried about getting the, the, the best stuff and the latest whatever. And, and so um, it's been a challenge in the area of spending, and, and what it actually done is it's made you reevaluate um, not only what you buy, but why you buy. And that's kind of the third idea is, is to give more. Than it, in, instead of, of picking that person and being like, hey, you know, you don't get a present, you, you, you take the money you're going to give, you give it to the well deal, and instead you replace it with, with a gift that maybe means a little bit more. That, um, that maybe you take, you take time to let that person know how you feel about them. Maybe you designate to spend time with them. Maybe you write them a letter. Maybe you give them uh, a family uh, recipe or something that you make that they, you know that they love, and you take it and you write it out, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Um, there's a whole website that Admin Conspiracy has of all these creative gift ideas uh, of things that are, are cheap uh, as far as cost goes, but they are incredibly valuable as far as just relationships go. Um, and so all these things kind of work together about worshiping God and, and our spending and um, giving more, like more meaningful gifts and, and uh, you know, spending less. It's like everything's just kind of like 
morphed all together into this big like blob of amazingness. Because uh, you, can, you, you can't really pursue all those things in a serious way and, and not just, just get a little bit like stunned and challenged, you know, and, and almost, almost broken, I think, in a sense of like, of, of, like, like in my own experience, I'm like, why is this so difficult? And the reason why it's so difficult for me is because of, of what Christmas has become. It's like, it's like God is, is undoing years and years and years of just kind of missing the point. And as much as I tried to keep Christ in Christmas, it was just, I was missing it, you know. And so without anything ever being like, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of whatever, our, our church, we just, we just kind of thrown things out there. And different people have, have tried different things, and it's been frustrating but awesome at the same time, you know, and just so rewarding and that kind of stuff. And the, the next couple of days are, are when a lot, of, a lot of what's really coming down for some of you, you know, because... Um, like we have these cards that are printed up and uh, they went like crazy last week and we have some more that if you're going to give money to the well offering uh, in honor of someone, we print up this card that kind of explains it a little bit so you can give them something that uh, instead of just being, instead of them just having to, uh, you know, think you made up some charity or whatever uh, that you gave it to them. Um, and so we have, we'll have those out at, at the table tonight, but um, some of you are, are nearing the point where those cards uh, is going to go in somebody's hand. And for you, that's, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, I, some of you are maybe kind of nervous about telling your parents, hey, I didn't get y'all as much this year because I wanted to give you more by, by doing this. And I, I mean, that's, that's certainly got to be intimidating. You know, it's got to be one of those, those things where you're like, okay, this sounds great at the beginning of December, but as it gets a little bit closer, push is, is kind of coming to shove a little bit, you know. And so, like, the next couple of days, I think, are going to be just incredibly exciting about being able to really put some of these things into practice. And so tonight, we kind of, we kind of wrap up the, uh, the quote-unquote official Advent Conspiracy messages by looking at the last thing, which is, which is love all. And us giving to the offering, that, that, that's, that's a part of, of it that, that um, everybody, that, that our Christmas is reaching beyond just ourselves. Um, and so what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look at Luke chapter 4, um, at Jesus, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he just comes out there and he just lays it out about what he's here to do. And this ties into Christmas in such an amazing way. And when we're talking about loving all, loving everybody, that Christmas will not be a time where people um, um, are, uh, where they give in to the, those lies that all of us kind of toy with sometimes that nobody really cares about us that we're not really loved, that we're not that important, that people um, are only obligated to say hi to us and have relationships with us and, and whatever, um, that, that loving everybody would be something that uh, defines us this Christmas as we move forward in the next couple of days. Um, so let's look, at, let's look at this. Luke chapter 4. Starting in verse 14. Jesus has been, uh, he's been in the desert, and he fasted and prayed for 40 days, and he was tempted in the desert, and he's come out of that experience. And this is where we find him. Look at verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, 
being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Okay. And they asked if this was Joseph's son. And it goes to a whole other thing. So um, here's, here's Jesus. He goes to his hometown. Um, walks in and I was this was like kind of how they did their gatherings and stuff is there was a reading that that came and so um, it was not um, it was it, anybody who would have been there that day would have read that same passage because they were on like a schedule okay so he comes in just just so happens to be the day that uh, this is the the um, text from Isaiah that he reads now what he read would have been very familiar to everyone there this was one of those uh, messianic texts, you know, one of the things they looked forward to about the Messiah was going to come, and this is what he was going to do. And Jesus reads it, and he sits down, and usually when they sat down, that meant they were about to, you know, teach on something or whatever. And he sits down, and, and he says, today this is happening. What I just read you, in your presence today, um, it's on. Now, can you imagine the reaction that that would, would have brought and it says they were amazed at the gracious words and that everybody was kind of taken back by this guy. But not everybody there was really happy. But Jesus, is, this is a programmatic statement. This is, this is his mission statement. This is him telling everybody, look, this is, what, this is why I came. There's a, there's a song by Kevin Smith. Uh, it's called Tonight. And uh, it's about the, the incarnation and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And he has this line, he says, um, In these ten fingers, all of heavens fight. And when you see that baby, there's, there's the fight of heaven. That, 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 that this, this is now rolling forward. The redemptive plan for humanity. And Jesus is saying, look, this, this is it. I'm here to bring freedom. I'm here to uh, return sight. The year of the Lord's favor is about to be proclaimed. Just, just so you know, that's, that's who I am. That's what I'm here to do. And when we're talking about loving, loving all, the idea that, that everybody on the planet will know the love of God, that there are no exceptions for that, that um, no one would, would continue to walk through life feeling the, the way that so many people feel, unloved, uncared for, unimportant, insignificant, no purpose, When, when, when we read what Jesus is saying, um, it's a very, very um, inclusive message. I'm not saying, I'm here to rescue the pretty people and the cool people. He's saying, look, if you, if, if you have an issue, I'm here to take care of it. And guess what? You all have issues. Every single one of you. That, 
that Christmas would be about making sure that everybody knows that love, that they know the love of God as far as like that is who he is, that is his character, that is his nature, and then that with that great love that, that is him, he has loved us through Christ. That everybody would know that. If we, if we look at this and we walk through, look at verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, of course, when we, when we see the word poor, we, we think about people living humble lives with, without a lot of wealth. And there's a, a, that can go from, um, you know, from uh, struggling, living check to check and really just barely being able to make it. I go all the way to living on the streets. I mean, that's what we immediately what we think of. We think of that humble existence, not a lot of wealth. And that's one, that's one thing that that word can mean. But the, the other thing that that word can mean um, in the original text is those who are in, in desperate need of God's grace in their lives. Those who are poor, those who are completely empty-handed, and saying, I need you to show up in my life. There's not a person on this planet, not a person in this room, who's not falling into that category. We sing a song called Majesty, and one of the lines says, I'm empty-handed, but alive in your hands. And every time we sing it, it always just kind of gets to me, because I'm like, that's, that's it. We are all empty-handed. I, bring, I have nothing to bring. Like the little drummer boy. You ever think about that song? I always got distracted by the parumpa pum pums of that song, you know. And uh, and I meant to talk about it last week, and a friend of mine emailed me and was like, "I just heard this song, and I, for the first time realized that this is about Advent. Like this is this is it, you know. And it's the it's if you if you take the parumpa pum pums away, you got this kid shows up. There's baby Jesus, and he's like, "I have nothing." This is the king, and I've showed up empty-handed. He's like, but I have a drum. So I played my drum, and Jesus looked at me, and he smiled. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. And we bring what we have, and what we have to bring to Jesus, you know what it is? It's two empty hands. I'm, like, I'm completely poor, and I'm completely in need of your grace. And so when we see that, and we see that Jesus is like, okay, well, I have come to proclaim good news to you. We talk about loving all, that's, that's everybody. If you have a relationship with Christ and you are redeemed and you are his child, you know what? You're still in need of his grace. We spent a whole semester talking about identity in Christ and being secure in that and who we are because of him. That does not mean at all that, that we live a second of life um, outside of the need of his grace. That makes us all the more dependent on it. So Jesus says, look, I've come to bring good news for everybody. Says so he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. The Israelites would have, have thought of that as, uh, as a military thing, as being an oppressed people. And they would have the, the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and they had all these people who would come in and take over and march them out and let them back in. And there was just all this stuff. And they were always, they were just a, a people who were, just lived under this captivity and this imprisonment. And so they th- were like, okay, we're going to get our own, you know, Patton that's going to come in here and he's going to like really like we're going to become it. We're going to rule by force. But the real captivity that held Israel, it held, holds everybody, is captivity to sin. 
And, and none of them, and none of us, were good enough to overcome that. You, there, are, uh, there are some really cool things out there, and one of, the, one of the, the things that is really interesting to me is the fact that inmates in Angola can, uh, can earn a, a degree from seminary. That New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary has an extension campus at Angola. So these inmates can do all the same uh, work and stuff that, that I did, and they can take the same courses and do the same stuff, and they can end up with, with a degree from the seminary. That they can be preachers in the, in the, the prison. But the thing is, as, as good as they are and as, as transformed as their lives are, they don't meet the requirements by having that goodness and that degree to overcome their legal obligations and to live in freedom. And that's, kind of, that's where, where Israel was, that's where we were, you know, trying and, and doing all these right things, but we didn't meet the requirements in order to really be free. And so what Jesus is saying is like, look, I know you don't meet the requirements, but I meet the requirements, and I've come to set you free. I've come to do what, what it takes to get you out of this. So when it says that he's come to uh, proclaim liberty to the captives, he's like, look, um, you are held captive by sin, and there's not a thing you can do about it, and that's why I'm here. And so when we talk about loving all, that's something that, that everybody needs to know. And if we're talking about the recipients of, of our money that's going to the wells in, in a country somewhere that's very, very far away that we will never meet, or if we're talking about your parents, and everywhere in between, everybody needs to know that. Jesus says, that's why I came. That's why all of heaven's fight is in my two hands, because I'm going to provide for you the freedom that you could not obtain for yourself. And everybody needs to know that. Then the next, next part um, says, in recovering of sight to the blind. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's talking about like physical miracles here. And we know from uh, stories about his ministry that he, walked, he would heal people. You know? He would restore sight to people who were, have been blind from birth. And he tells us, the reason why these things are happening is so that the glory of God can be shown off in your lives. Now, sometimes God's glory comes through healing. Sometimes God's glory comes through the comfort of him walking day by day by day with you through very difficult things. Where physical healing does not come, but there's that emotional and spiritual restoration that is there. And so sometimes we're going to live lives so that everybody can look at us and we can say, this is how a child of God handles cancer or various kind of illnesses, or whatever. It's all him showing off. And so maybe that's some of what Jesus was talking about uh, as far as recovering sight to the blind. You know, maybe he's talking about that, that illumination about our sinful condition. Maybe he's talking about the fact that, that um, we don't really understand why we need a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior until he shines that light on us. I love the light, dark um, um, aspects of talking about the coming of Christ, that the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And you know what happens when something is dark and all of a sudden there's light? You, you get an understanding of what's going on. Um, there's a... Uh, what, 
and I, I always talk about this. I forget what movie. I think it's in We Were Soldiers, where they're out and they're in the jungle. You know what I'm talking about? They're in the jungle, and they're, uh, they're, they get like kind of spooked or whatever, and they, they think somebody's coming up on them, so they ask for illumination. And illu- is it We Were Soldiers? Okay. And, it's, and so they're, they're sitting there or whatever, and uh, illumination, they, they're like fire like this flare thing, so they can, and it lights up the darkness so they can see. And when they do, they lights it up, and the guys are like right behind them or whatever. It's like the freakiest thing ever. And that's what, that's what happens. Jesus says, I'm here to restore sight to the, to the blind. He's like, look, you're, you're living in darkness. You're living completely blind. You have, you have no idea what's really holding you captive. So I'm going to come. And when I step in, all of a sudden you see your life in, in the light of God. And you're, you're like, okay, I've got to have a Savior. I've got to have help. You realize that your hands are empty. And that you're in desperate need of God's grace. And people who have a relationship with Jesus, if you're here tonight, there, there came a point in your life where you realized, that's what I need. I've been trying so hard, and all of a sudden, like because of Jesus, my entire life was illuminated. And now I see the fact that I thought I was holding on to something, but I'm not. Jesus, everybody needs to know that. There's no exception. Everybody needs to know about that. The next thing he says, um, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. See, there's a difference between oppression and captivity. He's already said, I'm going to set the prisoners free to release those who are in captivity. But oppression is different. It's almost like, um, like when you're oppressed, like you've been freed from something, but you're still like in bondage to it. And I think there's a lot of, lot of Christians who live in this place. I know there are plenty of areas in my life where I do, where I know that Christ has set me free from something. But yet, for some reason, I, I continue to carry that baggage around as though he hasn't really done it. And that whether it's, maybe it's like the, the guilt from your past, you know, maybe it's um, just things about your upbringing that, that have just kind of screwed you up or whatever. Um, maybe it's, it's just lots of guilt. Maybe it struggles with identity. Maybe it struggles with self-image. I mean, we go on and on and on. There's so many things where, where Christ has come in and said, I have set you free from that. You were empty-handed, and I took care of it, but yet you're still living under this oppression. You're dragging around these chains of things, that, and you don't have to. And every one of us needs to know that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and is up there in heaven right now so that we would not live under that oppression. And I need to hear that every day. I don't need to hear that once a year. I need, I, this is Josh talking. I need to hear that every day. I need people to tell me that. Jesus says, look, that's what I've come to do. And he says, Last thing in the quote, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's talking about the year of Jubilee. You can read all about it in Leviticus 25. Sounds amazing. Um, this would be a year where um, here's, here's basically what would happen. If, um, if you were a slave or a servant, you were completely set free. You're done. Your obligation, completely done. If you had debt, um, it, was, it was wiped away. That'd be nice, right? No more mortgage. No more owing your parents money for bailing you out. No more, no more debts of any, of any kind. 
Then for a year, nobody would work. That'd be nice. You'd work, you'd just celebrate the goodness of God. For a year, there, the, the land even got a rest. There were no crops, there were no whatever. And you know what's one of the, the amazing things about the year of Jubilee? Or there's two things. One is that um, the, the point of it really, big picture-wise, is to show that everyone and everything ultimately belongs to God. That someone might be your slave or your servant in order to pay off some kind of debt or because of some like whatever, but in the year of Jubilee, whenever it's declared, that person is free. You know why? Because everybody belongs to God. Nobody belongs to each other. Everything belongs to God. So the debts that you have and all that money, it's all God's anyway. And God says, guess what? Everybody's even. You're indentured to anyone for any reason. It's all done because you know what? God owns it all anyway. The people are going to celebrate the goodness of God. And the land, the land's like, look, God's like, look, the land's mine anyway. So that's one thing. Second thing is, you know what? There's no record of them ever actually celebrating the year of Jubilee. But this thing, it sounds so great if you're a slave or a servant or one who's in debt or whatever. Um, it sounds really great to all those people, but somehow, for some reason, whatever it was, they never actually did it, as far as we know. And Jesus says, I'm here so that everybody knows that every one of you belongs to God. And everything that you see belongs to God. And so I'm here to initiate that kind of freedom and that kind of celebration and that kind of, of joy. So he talks about prisoners and the blind and people being held, uh, people being oppressed and declares that you're the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll, sits down and says, today, this is, is rolling forward. And when we look at those things, that's what everybody needs to know. Without exception. Our, our Advent, our Christmas, has got to be about everybody knowing those truths. And so we talk about spending less and giving more and, and being intentional in our, our giving of, of gifts and returning to simplicity and having depth and all this kind of stuff. And all those things are about worshiping God fully and making sure that everybody around us knows that they are the beloved of God. And when Jesus says, I have come to proclaim these things, as Christians, you and I step right into that proclamation. We join him in proclaiming the things that he proclaims, right? And that's what, that's what it's supposed to be about. And, and that's, that's hard, I, I think. It's like, how do you do that? I mean, do you, like, at work, like, do you call time out at the company Christmas party? About, look, I need to proclaim a few things. I don't, you know, probably not. <laughs> I mean, how do, you, how do you do that? And the, the answer is, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't think there is an answer that is a blanket across the room of how we apply this. It's one more thing where you take that and you're like, and, and you're like God, that resonates with me. That is, that is right. These Advent Conspiracy guys heard it straight from you that loving all and worshiping fully, and all, this, this, is, this is what the incarnation of Christ is what it's all about. And you have to say, God, how, how does that show up in my life? 
And we, do the, we did the, the, best, the best that we could this year as far as like, let's lay out a bunch of opportunities to go and to love people that maybe you don't love all the time. But you know what? You don't have to, you don't have to go to the, the shelters to do that. It's great if you do, but that's not for everybody. Some of you, the best, the best context for you to live this out is your family gatherings in the next couple of days. And for some of you, that's the scariest place on earth when it comes to this. Now, again, I don't mean commandeering the, uh, the blessing over Christmas dinner, you know. And what, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. So please don't go and anger your whole family and come back to me and be like, dude, <laughs> you said to proclaim it, and I did. You know, like, whoa. Here, here's, here's what I think. I, I, I think that, that a starting point for us has to be, has to, we have to think about it like this. For, for, the, for us to love all, we have to think about people that we will never see. And think about the fact that we put a little bit of money in the well bucket, we mash it all together, we write a check, it goes, and this organization gets to go in, build relationships, and tell people like, look, Jesus wanted you to have this water. We have to think about that. That that is a part of loving all. When you put money in our offering bowl from week to week, you know what happens with that money? A big, big, big chunk of it goes to do things that are just like going to the well. Yesterday, we took um, nine women from the Bishop Ott Women's Shelter to Walmart. And with money that you gave and put back there, we uh, had a stack of Walmart cards that were $20 each. And we gave them one for them and one for each of their kids, and we turned them loose in Walmart. And these are women who live at the shelter. People drop stuff off all the time, and they kind of get what's there. And to see the look in their eyes of being like, wait, you mean I get to, you're going to trust me? I can go buy anything I want in this whole place. Yeah, it's yours. We're giving it to you. And to watch them go was phenomenal. And so you have to think about loving all of the people that you will never see, that you will never know. And there's a lot of faith about putting money somewhere. But that can't be all that we do. There's lots of Christians out there who uh, are deceived into thinking, oh, I'll put money in the offering plate, so I'm done. That's the, all the ministry I'm a part of. But we're not going to let it stop there. So you think about the people that you'll never see, you think about the people that you do see, whether it, maybe it's people you work with, maybe it's um, people who are, are out with a sign saying that they're hungry or whatever, the people that you do see, how can, I, how can I love them? How can they know what Jesus came to do? How can I proclaim to them in little ways and maybe sometimes in big ways? Then you think about the people that you know. Think about your family. We all have family members that need to hear some of these things. Whether it's being freed from sin in the first place, or whether it's freed from, from, from the oppression of guilt and all this kind of stuff that Jesus has set them free from, that they're choosing to live in it, or, or whatever. Um, they need to know that, that they belong to God, and everything they have belongs to God. And we have to find appropriate ways to communicate that to them. 
So think about people that you don't see. Think about people that you do see. Think about people that you know. And then, you know what? I want you to think about yourself. I want you to be a little bit self-focused tonight and at Christmas. Because maybe you're the one that needs to hear about being freed from sin. Maybe you need that illumination. Maybe that oppression has been just getting the best of you. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm living in a way I don't have to live. Maybe, you're, you, maybe you need to know that everything that you have is not yours, it's God's, and that you are His. See, Christmas is about freedom. And all of heaven's fight that comes in the form of this baby who grows up to be a man and he takes on the world. And all that is available to us. Every last bit of it. And maybe this Christmas, maybe you celebrate as a free man, as a free woman. Maybe for the first time. Maybe just receiving that freedom and that protection and that grace from God is what you need to do. Let's not wait. And so whether the challenge for you is to love all and and for that to be conveyed to people that you don't see or people that you do see or people that you know or to yourself, let's not settle. We can't settle. Jesus is too good to settle. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit more and uh, just respond to him and his goodness. And I just want you to respond the way that you want to. Sing, pray, stand, sit, doesn't matter. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and um, we need you. There's not a one of us that um, is outside the need of your grace. Sometimes we kid ourselves into thinking that, that we're good to go. But God, we're here tonight and we're very, very needy. And only you know, God, how this all applies to everybody that's here. We're asking you to just speak to us, to communicate clearly to us why in the world you brought us into this room tonight. Help us to not get distracted by what happens next or what song we sing or whatever. I was just to focus on you, God, to respond to you. Embrace the fact that we are loved by you and we are free because of you. We're called to proclaim that to literally everyone. Thank you.